Chapter 41 The steering wheel vibrated in my hands. The gas pedal pulsed with the life of the monstrous engine it fed. The world whizzed by as we hit highway speed and raced down that black ribbon of asphalt toward destiny. I bobbed my head to the song on the radio. Salvador said something, but I couldn't hear him over the music, so I clicked it off. What? Aren't you scared? I swallowed. More scared than I have been in my whole life. I focused on the yellow dashes of the highway dividing line and on keeping all my emotions out of my throat because I could feel them, and by them, I mean my mom and my sisters, out there in front of me leading me home, and I could feel Rodeo, too, could see that look in those eyes when he said to me, you gotta do this, little bird, because I did have to do it, I mean. So, what's Eureka? What'd that little clue mean? Salvador asked me. Eureka is a city in California. That's where Rodeo taught me how to drive this whole th- this old thing. He said he didn't know it. He didn't know if or when I'd ever have to get behind the wheel, you know, if he had a stroke or an aneurysm or something, but he figured I'd better know what I was doing. So in this big old empty parking lot at the edge of town, he ran me through the whole shebang. He was really kind of a drill sergeant, running me through everything over and over again <clears throat> until I had it down pat. California? I thought you were coming from Florida when we you picked us up. We were. When were you in Eureka, then? Oh, gee, I said, screwing closed an eye, trying to remember. This must have been Lord last summer, a little over a year ago. A year ago, Salvador squeaked. You're driving us down the road based on one lesson you had a year ago? You told Lester you were as good as driving as rode- good at driving as rodeo. I shrugged. Rodeo's not that good of a driver. Salvador sat down quick in his seat and gripped the back of mine with both hands, holding on like he was afraid we were going to go careening off the road any minute, which was pretty darn unlikely. I'm telling you, man, I got this down. Once you're cruising, it couldn't be easier. I mean, we'll see how stopping goes, but for now we're looking good. Just relax. In the rearview mirror, I could see Salvador shaking his head. His knuckles were white on the seat back. Big baby. He saw me looking and he tried to glare, but I shot him a big teeth flashing smile and he smiled back in spite of himself. This is crazy, he said to my reflection. Sure is, I said, but it's the good kind of crazy. You look like a 12 year old. I got bad news for you, Salvador, because I am twelve a 12 year old. Yeah, I know, but 12 year olds aren't supposed to drive. Someone might notice. I glanced around thoughtfully. I wasn't prepared to admit it out loud, but Salvador did have a point. Hand me that hat, I said, pointing at a floppy-brimmed hat rodeo head hanging on a hook on the wall. Salvador complied, and I slapped it on my head and then grabbed rodeo's gold-rimmed aviator glasses off the dashboard and slipped them on. How do I look now? Like a 12-year-old wearing sunglasses and a hat. Well, what do you want me to do, smoke a cigarette? Salvador shrugged. Do you have one? Very funny. This'll have to do. We passed a big green highway mileage sign, and there was a Poplin Springs, right there at the top. Poplin Springs, six miles. Six miles away, the highway wound along a little blue sparkling river. Both river and road curved between big hills that rose up toward the sky. The shapes of those hills felt familiar to me. I hadn't been here for five years, but I remembered them, or my eyes did, or my heart did. Their shapes, their curves, and folds. They looked like something to me, not something new either. Looking at the shapes of those hills... Felt like when you wake up in the middle of the night and you're all dream confused in the dark and you get up and go to the bathroom and you see your own face in the mirror looking back at you. If home is a feeling, those hills looked like the soft edges of that feeling. I got all tingly looking at those hills. 
I turned the radio back on and let the rollicking music drown out any more conversation. I drummed along on the steering wheel and kept my eyes straight ahead on where I was going. It was only like a minute later that Salvador shouted over to over the radio, Hey, how long did that cop say it'd take him to get back there? He said 20 minutes, I answered, but I'm guessing more like 25. He seemed like the type who always gives himself more credit than he deserves. Okay, and how long since he left us? I shrugged. I don't know, 10 minutes, maybe 15? I looked at Salvador in the rearview mirror. He was up on a knee, craning his neck to see behind us, chewing his lip nervously. Why? Well, don't freak out or anything, but there's a cop behind us. What? I said, don't freak out. How could he be back behind us already? I looked in the side mirror and sure enough, I saw the unmistakable shape of the authorities behind us. I don't think it's the same cop. His car was brown, right? This one is white. Just drive casual, okay? Their lights and siren aren't on or anything. Before I could give Salvador the are you kidding me side eye he deserved, I saw something that took the spark right out of my eye. Right out of my right out of my eye. It was the cop's turn signal. It blinked an on and off yellow warning and then the cruiser glided over into the left lane and started pulling up alongside us. "Uh Uh-oh, Salvador said, but my throat had gone too dry to say anything back. In a matter of seconds, that highway patrol man was gonna be right up next to me looking in at little old 12-year-old me behind the wheel and I was all out of cigarettes. I tightened my hands on the wheel, took a deep breath, and then pressed the gas pedal to the floor. Jaeger's engine whined, but she found some more go somewhere in her rattly gears, and we shot forward with a little surge of speed. What are you doing? Salvador hissed at me. Speeding up. Why? If he pulls up and sees me driving, it's over. Um, yeah, that's like the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Of course I knew that, but I mean, come on. When you got no other options, one option you got left is just kind of automatically your best option, isn't it? The cop hit the gas too. He stopped falling behind and started gaining ground again. Come on, Coyote, this is stupid. I didn't respond. Didn't we just go over this with your dad? That was different. How? Because he had a good chance of being let go. Me, not so much. I hate to break it to you, Salvador, but I don't think I'm going to be able to talk this cop into letting me go with a warning. Well, maybe not, but you're sure not going to outrun him. I don't have to outrun him. I don't have to escape. I just have to get there. And then what? Doesn't matter. I'm bu- I'm busted either way, right? So I'm going to get there and I'm going to get that box. Then this cop can do whatever the heck he wants. But if I pull over now, this whole thing is over for good. And I've got and I've come too far for that. It must have been obvious to the cop right about then that I was clearly not pulling over on purpose because the lights on top of the car started flashing and that siren kicked in. I kept my foot mashed on the gas pedal. The needle on the speedometer inched up about 70. Salvador and I were officially fugitives from the law. <clears throat> the cop hit the gas hard, zooming up beside us. I looked down and saw an angry face behind sunglasses and an arm waving me over violently. I waved back and tried to smile innocently. It didn't work. The cop grabbed his radio thing and <clears throat> started barking something at me through his loudspeakers, but I just turned up the radio so I couldn't hear it. I was pretty well committed by that point, and I knew that whatever the cop was saying was probably just going to stress me out. The cop accelerated even more, starting to pull ahead of us. I gulped. Well, shoot, I muttered. I knew what he was planning, and I knew it would work. He was going to pull in front of us and slow down, block us. Jaeger was a beast, and Jaeger was reliable, but Jaeger was not particularly nimble. If that cop got in front and blocked us, I wouldn't be able to maneuver this eight-ton Bahamut... 
behemoth quick enough to dart around him, and I wasn't quite sure I was determined enough to actually ram a police car with a bus. I think Rodeo and I would both agree that the, that particular course of action was best left as a no-go. But then I saw it, coming right toward us and not that far away. The exit. The exit. Poplin Springs. Home. It was coming up on the right side, maybe a half mile away. The patrol car inched past us. Its rear bumper pulled in front of our hood. The cop gave it a sudden burst of new speed and shot well past us. Gladys bleated out a cry of alarm. Jaeger, even giving it all she had, was no match for a highway patrol cruiser. Almost there, I said, eyeing the exit. Gladys bleated again. Between the shrieking goat, the blaring music from the radio, the screaming of the siren, and the roaring of Jaeger's straining engine, it was a bit of sensory overload. This is crazy, Salvador shouted. It would have been ridiculous to argue and unnecessary to agree, so I just gripped the wheel in tighter and kept my eye on the exit, now a quarter mile away. The cruiser slid over into our lane. The brake lights lit up. We roared toward its fender. The exit was a hundred yards away. We weren't going to make it. I jerked the wheel, faking a move to the left. The cop fell for it. He sped up and matched me, blocking the move he thought I was trying to make. That one move was all I needed. I drifted back into the right lane and the cop drifted with me, speeding up to stay ahead of me. We were there at the exit. The white painted lines of the exit lane veered gently off to the right. I ignored them, staying straight on the highway. What are you doing? Salvador yelled. I waited until we were just past the white lines of the ramp entrance. Hold on, I hollered. Then I cut the wheel hard to the right. Jaeger veered across the painted lines and over a gravelly triangle of highway shoulder and then onto the exit ramp. There was a jolting crack as we flattened a plastic reflector post, but all in all, I thought I pulled the maneuver off pretty well. By the time the cop realized what I was doing, it was already too late. When I swerved onto the ramp, he was already well past it and with the metal pedal to the floor. He hit the brakes and there was a squeal of rubber on the asphalt, but the goose was cooked. The last I saw of him as we climbed up toward the overpass bridge, he was skidding to a dusty stop on the shoulder under the bridge a hundred yards past the exit. Woohoo! Salvador whooped, jumping up out of his seat and raising a fist in the air. You lost him! Nah, I shouted back, though I was grinning so hard my face hurt. He's just going to back up on the shoulder. I only bought us like 45 seconds, but I think that's all we needed. Poplin Springs had never been a big town, and even though Grandma had said it was growing, it still wasn't like a bustling metropolis or anything. It'd been years, but I knew exactly how to get to Sampson Park. As we came charging off the exit, I slowed to a city street speed. Houses and businesses whizzed past me. The out-driving a cop in a speeding school bus adrenaline drained slowly out of my body and a lump grew in my throat. That familiar, almost forgotten home feeling that the shapes of the hills had given me a few miles back returned with a vengeance on the streets of Poplin Springs. There was a white house with green shutters that I kind of remembered. I'd gone to a birthday party there, I think, back when my mama was alive, and a little convenient store in the corner. I remembered walking there with Ava to buy popsicles on a sweaty summer day, back before she died. And, the, and out in front of the grocery store, there was the, still that plastic horse you could ride that buck and rock you if you put a quarter in it. In, the mi in my mind, I could still see Rose sitting on top of it, holding on tight and smiling huge, bright-eyed with the little kid thrill of it. But that was when she was still my little sister before she came, just a memory. Memories, memories swirled around me, thick as, a camp as campfire smoke, choking me and making my eyes burn. This was it. I was here. My hands started to shake. 
For a second, just a second, I totally understood why Rodeo had never wanted to come back, but just for a second, because right on the heels of that feeling, and even overlapping and mixed up in it, was the feeling of knowing that coming back was maybe the rightest thing I'd ever done. Because they were here. Memories swirled around me, as sweet and sad as a voice singing you to sleep at night. I love them, I miss them, and I've been missing them for way too long. I felt the tugging at my shoulder and realized that Salvador was saying something to me. I flicked off the radio. Without the music and the siren and the highway noise, the world was surprisingly still, peaceful even. What? I asked. Do you know the way? I blinked at him in the mirror. He was blurry. Come on, coyote. Everything was blurry. Yeah, I answered, then cleared the hoarseness out of my throat with a cough. Yeah, I know the way. I saw Salvador looking at me in the mirror, and I looked away and cleared my throat again. And Salvador didn't say anything, but he kept his hand on the shoulder, on my shoulder. Just kept it sitting there in the quiet stillness of the bus. He's a good one, that Salvador. Eventually, the peace was broken by the sound of a siren coming up behind us fast. I wasn't worried, though. Nothing was stopping me now. Salvador looked back to check on the cop, but he still left his hand on my shoulder. Gladys clopped up to stand beside me and she nudged my leg, leg gruffly with her nose until I dropped a hand from the wheel to pet her. Ivan weaved between her legs and hopped up onto my lap. He rubbed his nose against my elbow and then settled his body in close to mine. The road curved around a corner and then it was there, right in front of me. There were, there were the trees and some grass, a big clearing, and the machines, big yellow steel machines with treads and scoops and pistons and teeth, some were parked, but some were moving, jerking and digging and scraping, kicking up dust. Workers tramped around among it all, wearing bright vests and hard hats and blue jeans and sunglasses. A pile of knockdown trees sat off to one side. There, I said, or tried to, but it came out as almost a gasp like I'd been punched in the stomach because they'd already started.